This week's episode of the NRL Sunday Session is brought to you by Open Arms Veterans and Families Counselling, reminding all veterans and their families that counselling support is available to them 24-7. Since 1982, Open Arms Veterans and Families Counselling has ensured Australian Defence personnel and their families have access to specialised mental health and wellbeing support. For more information, go to openarms.gov.au or give them a call today on 1800-011-046. Welcome to the Sunday session on NRL.com. A tremendous Anzac round has just completed. My name is Chris Kennedy. I'm joined, as always, by an extra jaded West Tigers fan, Kenny Scott, this week. Kenny, thank you for being here. That's right. It's another shade of jade added to me this week. <laughs> And it's a great pleasure to join uh, Troy Whitaker. Troy, is this your first Sunday session? Have you done one before? Uh, yeah, my first one debut, so looking forward to it. Well, uh, pressure's on you then to, uh, to have a strong debut or you won't be invited back. Let's get talking about some rugby league. It's the Storm and the Warriors we're going to start with as we go backwards through the round. Um, 42 points to 20 this finished up. Uh, Kenny, I'll start with you. Um, Scoreline got a little bit out of hand for the Warriors. Two late tries, if anything, sort of flattered them. But um, yeah, it's pretty much one-way traffic for, for most of this one. Yeah, it's it's a tough trip going down to Melbourne. Everybody knows that. And the Anzac Day games always um, it's always eventful. But this one, Melbourne really sort of ran riot for most of it. I think that the forty two twenty scoreline maybe suggests that the Warriors were in it for a lot of the game, but like without they they really weren't. Like it was, I think it was forty two six with what twelve minutes to go or something. It's, it's something like that. I, I really 10, thought yeah. that forty two. I really thought Melbourne would get like would crack the fifty. Um, and then, you know, it, it swung right towards the end that I'm, sh- I'm sure Craig Bellamy won't be happy with that with some, some quick um, and pretty nifty tries to the Warriors as well. But, I mean, it sort of went to script. I don't, uh, he sort of held out. If, if you're a Warriors fan, you would have held out hope that, you know, maybe you would jag a win because I don't think they've won down there since 2014 or something. There's been a, a pretty long, long gap between uh, wins in Melbourne for them. Um, and it wouldn't have been out of the realms of possibility, but, you know, Melbourne just Melbourned uh, and it was a pretty solid win in the end. Yeah, I think it was four tries. This thing opening half hour to Jerome Hughes was absolutely on fire um, early on. The Warriors, I mean, Troy, so many injuries. They lost, you know, Torhu Harris to um, some lingering concussion symptoms, one of their most important players. Um, you know, Peter Hiku got injured a couple of weeks ago. Sean O'Sullivan didn't play um, this game. Shell Harris Tavita still out uh, long term. A very reshuffled lineup. I guess one of the, the slivers of hope was um, Reese Walsh uh, making his club debut probably earlier than they would have hoped for. But a couple of late uh, tries this for him. Yeah, I thought he looked incredibly silky. You have to be a really good player if you're getting Roger to move positions for him to volunteer to do that. So, yeah, big, big hopes for him for sure. Was it a bit of a strange one? Were you surprised that, you know, a player of Tuovasa Shek's standing either A, would volunteer to move or B, that the coach would agree to it? Yeah, I mean, look, obviously Walsh has got plenty of potential, but, I mean, it's so early in the season as well. Um, maybe, you know, Roger's been exceptional so far, so I thought they would have kept him at the back. But, I mean, if they can manage to make it work with them both in the team, then why not? Uh, Kenny, uh, the third game of the weekend that we saw a player sin-binned for foul play that resulted in um, the, the player who was tackled and, and injured being out of the game and, and replaced by an 18th man, um, Chris Lewis, coming into this one for George Jennings. Did you have any kind of a view on that, um, the challenge from, from Josh Curran? Yeah, look, I 
I I thought it was it, I think it was a head clash. Like I haven't seen detailed replays, but it didn't look like contact from the contact on the head. I might be wrong. Um, I thought it was. I did not expect a sin bin, and I know there's probably a bit of a bit of chat about it. It's kind of it's disappointing because that's probably a, a moment like you, you can play what ifs all day, but that's like a what if moment that really like changed the game. I think it was tough for the Warriors to recover from that being a man down. I haven't seen detailed replays, but from what I could see, I thought a, a sin bin was an incredibly harsh um, penalty for what I don't actually think was an illegal tackle. Um, yeah, I don't yeah, think there I mean, was I any guess. malice in it. It was probably incidental, but I'm wondering if the sort of the, the new normal is for any contact with the head that results in a player going off for an HIA is just going to be a sin bin whereby even if it's a total accident, the onus is on the defender or the guy making the, the challenge to avoid any contact with the head or else I guess it's going to be mm. a bit of a lottery. And I, I don't want to say that the refs are sin binning people purely because of the 18th man provision but you don't get the 18th man provision unless the um the foul play actually results in a sin bin so i wonder if that's a factor at all yeah i can i can handle that interpretation as long as that's made clear i think um you know you've always got to avoid contact with the head and if it's now doesn't it doesn't matter what kind of contact it is incidental or not um you know if your head clashes with somebody else's head for example if the onus is on the defender then so be it um but yeah with that that challenge in particular i thought a sin binning was um it's just unexpected. Yeah, it did change the game. Um, like you said, plenty of highlights in this game. We saw uh, Josh Adokar um, burn Roger to a check of all people on the outside to score a try. I think two tries in three minutes. Reese Walsh, who we, we touched on a few little touches of class late, set up a couple of tries for uh, Ken Mamalo. So, um, you know, some, some nice passages of play at least. Yeah, like like we said, towards the end of the game, like the Warriors really sort of came. Um, yeah, the, sorry, towards the end of the game, Melbourne really um, piled on some points, and then as you said, uh, Reese Walsh and uh, that Kim Amala try right at the end, I thought was was excellent on two counts. One because it was from a scrum. Two, it was uh, <laughs> Reese Walsh on, on debut, and three because Mamala just like you know there would have been millimeters in it, but it was clear like he clearly got it down before the line. It was just you know three three um, fantastic elements of a great try. I loved it. Anyway, Storm are looking very ominous. Warriors after a fantastic um, 100% completion win over the Dragons last week. Um, you know, just weren't quite able to match it with them given the uh, the troops they had out. But uh, the middle Sunday game, the, the big Anzac Day clash that we look forward to every year, the Roosters and the Dragons. Um, Kenny, 34-10 to 10 this finished up. Um, another game with a, a sin bin and um, some, some high drama. How do you see this one? Well, like these games, I mean, this is the showpiece of the Anzac round. It's always a, a big a big game, a big event. It, it usually produces big moments, and I suppose this one definitely did produce a, a big moment. It was definitely, like, it was a really physical game. Dragons, um, like the Dragons' defence was really tight, and they were doing, like, really big runs. They were turning into really big hits, which was great. And then one of those big hits went spectacularly wrong um, on, uh, you know, on James Tedesco and that, uh, again, that was probably... Uh, a little bit oh, controversial. I don't know. The hit itself was looked looked pretty bad. Um, and then, uh, yeah, in that that simbinning period, like you know, you can't really let the roosters attack you when you go when you're a man down. Um, and they the dragons probably never really recovered from there. Um, yeah, I thought like we've been saying all week. What uh, sorry all, all season? What are the roosters going to do uh, without a hooker? Um, and you know, they just wait for Sam Verrills, Just wait for Sam Verrills, and then there we go. They waited and they got what they needed. <laughs> it was pretty yeah. excellent. I thought. And then Ben Marshke ended up starting anyway, and Verrills, I don't think, got on even t- until possibly the second half. Um, I thought Jordan Pereira, who I don't associate as being a particularly um, 
you know, player prone to, to swinging high shots, whatever. He certainly got that um, that tackle on Tedesco wrong. I, I thought probably lucky not to be sent off. He, he got him absolutely flush across the jaw and, and Teddy got up very groggy from that one. Was probably never going to return once the, the hit came in. He actually, it was the second shot around the jaw that Teddy copped in the game. He, I think it was Tyrell Formayono early on. Um, Teddy just bounced up from the, the first one, but there could be a little bit of a, a grade one or two waiting for Tyrell. And then I would imagine a longer stint on the sidelines waiting for um, for Pereira, but I guess the the pattern of this one to me, the Dragons sort of did what they've done well so far this year, which is just be extremely physical, um, really strong forward game. Not the most, I guess, vaunted forward pack in the NRL, but a lot of guys who are just um, yeah, very tough, very physical, very aggressive, and um, you know, it was working early on. I think they had a really close uh, no try, um, Jack Bird a little bobble in the, the contest uh, got overturned, but they're really taking it to the Roosters early. And again, um, Sinbin probably changed the game, but once the Roosters started to get a, a roll on Dragons just on the back foot, the rest of the match. Yeah. And what about, um, what about Sam Walker as well? So he, everyone's had wraps on him, you know, and, and that's, that's fine. That's, um that's not controversial in itself. Uh, but you know, there's obviously a lot of pressure on him. He had, I thought he had some pretty big moments in that game, and then walks away with with player of the match, which in the Anzac Day game is is you know that's a, that's actually that's a pretty big honor, especially for a, a kid. What three games in, I think he is. Um, yeah, pretty special. Deserved man of the match. I thought he just some really high high class uh, touches that try assist. Um, can't remember who scored it now, but he sort of made a little evasive move and sent one of the uh, the forwards over um, coming onto the ball. He just um, yeah really sort of not for the first time in his young career, just sort of took the match on his own shoulders and decided he was going to change things and was able to do so. Yeah. And they were, I mean, they were lauding him in, in the TV commentary. Um, just the theory from them anyway, was he's a young kid that doesn't have any fear. So he, you know, nothing really holds him back. And there was a couple of moments where he did some things that conventional, a conventional playmaker might not do. Like I think he kicked it on the zero tackle once and some things like that, but otherwise, um, and that, and that itself turned out fine. So um, yeah, he's doing really well. Yeah, Nat Butcher, the try scorer, that play I was uh, trying to think of um, just before. But yeah, I, I guess an important win for the Roosters too, um, you know, just given sort of their injuries and how disappointing they were against Melbourne to to get a, a strong win against a team that's been going reasonably well. We've said a number of times Dragons have sort of surprised quite a few people this year. How much of a barometer, Kenny, do you think this is on how both of those teams are, are tracking? Uh, yeah, I, I, when I came into this, I, I wrote down, it seems like the Roosters are sort of in a, like, you know, not a slight decline and the Dragons are really on the rise, but I don't have much faith in the quality of opposition the Dragons have won against. Uh, I, I just think that there's been times when it really, there's the one big scout they have is Parramatta. Other than that, I thought they, you know, like they they dropped one against the Warriors. I thought if they were really going to show that they're a, a finals team, like a premiership, a premiership contender, then the Warriors is a team they they should beat, and and they didn't. And I think they've had they had some pretty easy opposition at the beginning of the season. They've definitely surpassed most people's expectations. I think they are probably one of the favourites for the Wooden Spoon. They're nowhere near that, which is excellent, um, excellent progress for the team. Uh, and for the for the Roosters, I think it shows that like you can't you can't keep a good team down. They're definitely back up on the on the rise, and I think um, I think they're going to go onwards and upwards, and they'll be you know right up there towards the end of the season. 
the um, the first of the Anzac Day triple headers. Um, Troy, I know you didn't see any of that second game because you were out covering this one for NRL.com out at Bankwest Stadium. Um, I actually missed this one because I was commentating the ADF warm-up game, so I'll let you two do the driving um, on this one. But talk us through that um, that West Tigers and Manly contest because um, from the highlights I watched, it sounds like the Tigers were right in it for the first 20 or 30 minutes and then uh, Manly and, and Turbo in particular just went bang, bang, bang and, and turned the contest. Yeah, that's it. Well, they didn't score until 29 minutes in. The Tigers were up 6-0 and then five minutes. They scored three tries and the game was pretty much done. I don't think there's any doubt that Turbo is probably the most influential player in the NRL. But what he's done these last two weeks has just been incredible. Um, and he was outstanding again today. What did you get out of the um, the, the press conferences? I'll, I'll probably start with um, the West Tigers. It's you know I'm not sure where they go um, from where they are at the moment, but um, you know running south close last week, but they've um, copped some huge scores against them um, so far this year. I think it's maybe the worst start in the merged ventures history now after uh, seven rounds. So they're in a bit of a hole. Yeah, well, Madge was saying the same thing he's had to say for so long, and that's the Tigers just aren't mentally strong enough to handle those momentum swings against them. Um, whether or not they've made progress, you know, this season's probably debatable, but they need to try something, they need to change something because it's just not working. What did you make of the Seagulls? They obviously um, mentioned Tom Travojevic and how influential he's been to, to Manly's turnaround. He, he clearly has had an effect on the players around him, but it looks like, um, you know, DCE scored a couple of tries. He obviously was having a bit of a, a field day out there. Uh, Kieran Ford, like who's having fun. We've, we've talked a bit about their depth issues and um, the, the lack of personnel, particularly sort of in that edge forward role and, and hooker role, but, um, you know, throw Tom Turbo in there and suddenly those other holes don't appear to be quite so deep. I think what Tom gives them is just confidence. Everyone just seems to know where to be. They're playing with purpose. And for what Kieran and, and Daly are doing, they just they just know that if they create half a chance that Tom's going to help them finish it off. So, yeah, I think he just gives everyone belief and confidence and that's really showing. Kenny, uh, you are also out there at Bankwest today. What were your key takeouts from this one? Uh, yeah, look, it was just a, it was a tough game to take. I, I said last week when the, the historically the Tigers, if they've they've had those incidents where they've really taken it to a good team as they did against the Rabbitohs, they didn't quite win, but that was still a great game. And then they usually they sort of fall into a and you think they could they sh- should be able to take that what they've learned etc. and and press on throughout the season. And then historically they don't. They sort of just you know, toss up performances like that. So. I mean, I, I, I kind of, I genuinely went into that game thinking you know, they sh- they would win, uh, but also not, you know, wasn't allowing myself to be fooled um, into thinking that it was impossible that they'd fall in a heap and and they fell in a heap. Yeah, it was, it was, you know, like Troy said, twenty five half an hour of of, a, of you know a almost dominant performance, and then all of a sudden, like to let in three tries basically through the exact same um, the exact same play. For in like what four minutes or something and the game was done it was still held out hope you know if you score first after half time the comeback's on and then nah, nah, the comeback was never on it was just a, it was a bad day and I know it was it was pretty early like it was quite hot excuse excuse uh yeah just not good enough it's it's really tough uh it's going to be a really tough season for everyone involved in the Tigers yeah, I know, obviously, Tom Travojevic is a magnificent player, but those tries late in the first half, he just ran straight through the middle of a set defensive line. He just hit it up. There were three blokes there, and he just punched punched a hole straight through and came out the other side. Like I don't, I don't care how good you are. You shouldn't be able to just run straight through the middle of a um, an NRL team like that. Well, it's just they, what do they say about the Tigers? They've got a soft underbelly. Um, you know, that's just one of the things. The Tigers weren't weren't ready to to defend properly. 
Um, they had no desperation. They had no, it's just, yeah, you, you can't, you can't, you just can't be that weak in defense and expect to not get hammered. And they got hammered. So yeah, like I said, uh, tough times in Tiger Town. Before we move on from games in the Anzac Day round, I just wanted to mention uh, our sponsor for this week's episode of the Sunday session. We had Zach Bailey give them a shout at the top of the podcast, which was great. Um, but just wanted to shout out, say thank you very much to Open Arms Veterans and Families Counseling. Uh, they do a great job. And if anyone um, needs uh, someone to speak to, you can always uh, lean on them. Go to openarms.gov.au. Thanks for that. Very important work that they do. Uh, moving into the Saturday games and uh, the Cowboys 26-24 over the Raiders. Um, Troy, for me, this was probably the most interesting game of the round, just in terms of subplots and form lines. Um, Cowboys now three straight and, and Raiders, who um, I know a few people were tipping as possibles for the, the premiership now, so it's like a team that may struggle to even make the finals. Yeah, that's a curious one for me as well, where the Raiders are at, especially in attack. They just don't look as potent as they've been in previous seasons, whether that's because John Bateman's not there giving that extra dimension. I don't know. But, um, yeah, it's good to see the Cowboys having having some wins in a row there. Valentine Hines was fantastic, um, finding his feet at fullback again. But, um, yeah, it's hard to tell where both teams are at, really, with that game, whether the Cowboys were good or the Raiders were just poor. It was a... Um... A big first half for the the Raiders. I know the Cowboys got a fairly early try, but I think 24 points to six just before um, Cowboys scored just on the stroke of half time. I, I thought the Raiders were running away with it. The Cowboys, you know, had their little flutter um, beating the the Tigers and the the Bulldogs, but we're going to sort of, you know, run into a, a strong team and and revert to the 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 poorer side we saw at the start of the season, but um, Canberra's second halves have been absolutely diabolical of late. The Eels game last week, the second half, they were nowhere. Obviously, Warriors earlier in the year, I know they had a lot of injuries in that game, but their, um, their second half fade-outs have become a real worry. That's what's really concerning, isn't it? Like, if they're, if they're going to be a top four or a genuine top eight contender, they need to be putting away teams like the Cowboys with that big of a lead at halftime. So, um, yeah, I don't know what Ricky does now, but, but something's got to change there. Well, but that's just it, right? So, like, I mean, after what we've seen, are they going to be a genuine top four contender? I think at the beginning of this season, you would have said yes, but the last, the way they're going now, I think they'll they'll maybe they'll be like bottom of like you know seven or eight if they're lucky. Well, I think top four's probably gone. We've got you know Penrith and, and Storm got to be. Along with South, I think probably the three really dominant teams. Then um, Eels are going pretty strongly there on track to, to make the top four. And then Roosters back in form today. It's hard to see the Raiders finishing above um, any of those uh, teams on the, the ladder. So, you know, top eight's probably got to be the goal at the moment. Do we think, um, I mean, Troy, you watch as much footy as I do. The the Ra- Are they struggling to adapt to the, the new rules? They kind of seem to keep eking out those wins last year just based on being tough and resilient and having a good forward pack and, um, you know, finding enough points when, you know, the occasional piece of, of brilliance, but are they potentially just lacking a bit of that? Uh, you look at the top teams and how good their ball playing fullbacks are and, and chances out at the moment, Caleb's pretty much a straight up um, ball runner, but even chance to cook star at his best is, is probably more of a running fullback than a ball player. And then you've probably got two running halves as well. I know George Williams was, did okay in the, the games game management side of things last year, but um, you know potentially just not having the, the same polish in the spine that some of the um, the elite teams have got. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think they just lack that little bit of fluency, that little bit of zip. They probably rely more on effort than you know pure polish and, and skill, as you said. 
Um, and then they just get away with having a bit more class in the lower ranked teams that they, they end up beating. But yeah, when it comes to, to that against the top ranked sides, I think you've nailed that. Kenny, what about the um, the Cowboys? The you know three in a row now, and and a bigger scalp this week than the the previous two weeks. Is Todd Payton's message sort of starting to get through to the players? Do we think they um, you know looked a bit more on the same page? Still very clunky in patches. Still some you know scratchy moments. But um, you know I couldn't really fault anyone's effort in that game. Yeah, I think so. Like every time a new coach comes in, you know it's it's uh, there's always this. this feeling out period players got to get used to the new regime the new game plan coach really needs to know what to do with the squad that he's got uh, and I think obviously it's a work in progress but it's it's turned a corner yeah well like yeah they beat the Tigers big deal beat the Dogs big deal but to beat the Raiders I think that's a significant um, that's a significant win for them especially considering as they were you know 24 six at one point, something like that. And then um, to not let the game get away from them and to come back. Yeah, a lot of that might have had to do with how sluggish the Raiders were in the second half, but still it shows that uh, it just, like, I'm, I'm really happy that it's happening actually because I've got a lot of faith in Todd Payton. I think he's a, he, he's got potential to be a pretty good coach and you'd hate for the Cowboys to just, you know, completely drop this season um, and, uh, you know, write it off as a rebuild. It is still a rebuild, but you really need to see progress for you know, fans to have faith that the coach is doing the right thing. And I think these, like three wins in a row, um, you know, you can't get much better sign of, of reasons to give faith than that. There's definitely some positive signs for the Cowboys. Um, the previous Saturday game, the Sharks and the Bulldogs, 18 points to 12, Canterbury won this. Um, Troy, I never, I did my tips this week and almost every game um, I sort of contemplated both teams, but um, I just didn't, didn't occur to me to tip the Bulldogs in this one, but um, they got the job done. Yeah, man, how good was it to see on the sidelines after it, just the jubilation and relief for Trent Barrett? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm interested to hear what you guys think, what this means for the Sharks. Are they just cooked now that John Morris has gone and that whole lot of evils happened? Can yeah, you- I mean, I, w- I mean, look, everybody, the Sharks losing to the Bulldogs would make every the fans of every other team happy because, you know, someone had to lose to the Bulldogs at some time and you just didn't want your team to be the first one. Um I did not expect the Sharks to lose this one, but I think when you look at you look at what they've gone through, so yeah, they've dropped the coach, they've got an interim coach in, Townsend's out, a lot of other uh, of their big stars are off contract with their futures uncertain. The conditions were perfect for an upset here, and I think you know I, I kind of think the Sharks are probably going to get a, a bit worse from here as well. I think they've probably got a lot of some more pretty. Uh, poor losses in them as they go on. I think it's going to be a really tough year for them, and you know it's it's making of their um, it's creation of, of their own actions. Like they've sacked their coach that was incredibly popular with their playing stuff, and probably a lot of their fans as well. They knew what they were doing, and they're prepared to sort of take their medicine. And I think this is step one in a long uh, a long regime of medicine pills they're going to have to take for the season. Yeah, I mean, we could you know debate the merits and people have endlessly of the decision to sack John Morris, but the fact he's doing it this early in the year and they obviously decided that Craig Fitzgibbon's their man, but it does create a situation where you've got a caretaker coach, your halfback's not there next year. Motivation is going to be pretty tough uh, to come by. Um, and they, I mean, they went close a lot of times this game where they have six or seven almost tries or disallowed tries. Poor old Marwini Harati on the right wing. He was bonded into touch or he just went out or the, um, you know, that Chad Townsend ran away to score a try and then it turns out Britton Nakora got in the way of the defensive line. It was an obstruction. There was a um, someone else crossed and a called back for a forward pass. With so many almost tries in this one. They only lost by a six, but, you know, that's all it takes sometimes. 
glad they had the Bulldogs shot at the end too. I thought they were going to get over and maybe yeah. pass to Golden Point, but not to be. Yeah, so um, certainly a grandstand finish when the Sharks scored that try with a few minutes to go. But, anyway, moving on to uh, Friday footy, uh, very hot and sweaty up there in Darwin. Uh, Kenny, 46-6, to six, the Eels over the Broncos and um, pretty much one-way traffic in this one. Yeah, this, I thought this was a really tough game to, to tip because I'm, obviously I didn't tip the Broncos because I'm, you know, you just, you just wouldn't. But I thought it could have gone either way because – it's a, it's a tough trip for everybody. It's not like they're going to some, they're not going to, you know, this wonderful palatial stadium. They're going to Tia Park in Darwin, which, you know, is a fine place, but it's just, it's, it's very different to a, uh, like to a Bankwest or a Suncorp. Um, it would be a pretty, a pretty tough trip to get out there. It's going to be incredibly hot. I just thought it's going to, whichever team could survive in the conditions for longer than the other one. And I, I didn't think that Broncos would, um, not handle them so like uh, succumb to the conditions so quickly, and I didn't think Parramatta would be unfazed by them by those conditions for so long. I was really surprised at, at this score, and I didn't think a forty-six to six was happening. I thought a standard uh, you know win to the Parramatta around the, the the twenty to twenty to twelve score line. Broncos were just um, you know they just didn't give themselves a chance. Every time they got the ball, they dropped it. Probably because it was also hot, wet, and sweaty up there. Um, but yeah, it was a pretty demoralizing uh, performance, I think, from the Broncos. Parramatta, though, can be, can be uh, pretty proud of themselves because a lot of players stood up. Uh, Bryce Cartwright obviously had his best game of the season, probably maybe arguably the best game of his career, really um, got himself back on track with that one. And then, you know, the usual ones, Isaiah Papali'i was also excellent. Um, Gutho, Moses, good news for uh, Parra fans. Troy, probably a game where you it was important to get your bench rotations right and get some mileage out of your bench players just with the hot and sapping um, conditions needing to sort of rotate those minutes, particularly for the big boys in the middle. And I thought um, the Eels got a lot more out of their uh, bench than the Broncos did. Cardi, as, as Kenny just mentioned, but I thought Oregon Kafusi maybe hit the best game of his career. Um, you know, Will Smith getting some pretty big uh, minutes as well. So um, certainly that seemed like a, a key part of the match for me. I think that Eels probably have one of the better benches across the competition too. They've got good um, use out of them for the, the whole season so far. Um, just with the Broncos, like it's, they've shown some improvement in, in recent weeks and then to dish that up, it's, it's hard to see where they're coming from at the moment. Um, you know, where do you boys think? Like, are they, are they wooden spoon contenders still? Are they past that? I think they have to be in the, the conversation along with the, the Bulldogs. I mean, that, that it looked like they really turned a corner against Penrith. You know, their, their middles are really physical. They, they took it to Penrith the whole game. And it, it only sort of it was a couple of big plays from Nathan Cleary at the end to, to get the, you know, last year's minor premiers, the win over last year's wooden spooners, and then um, come out on a hot night in, in Darwin and just completely fell in a heap. Mm. Yeah, it's it's like they didn't have the uh, the motive. Like they got up for that Penrith game. They didn't for where they couldn't find the motivation to get up for the Parramatta game. And I think that just goes down to their you know their lack of experience, which we've been going on and on about. Um, like Steve Renouf last week said that 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 Broncos team really should never be should not be allowed to exist. So recruitment and retention's gone really really wrong, and they've just got a uh, they just got a bunch of kids. Uh, I went up, you know, a bunch of kids that aren't resilient enough to to handle adversity like that. Yeah, like a strong performance from the Eels, like you said. I think Mike Acevo, five line breaks in the end, uh, finished up with a, a hat-trick, um, really hard to handle um, out on the wing. Um, you know, Cardi, maybe not the best game of his career, but probably his best game since that 
uh, was it 2016 at Penrith when he was sort of doing a bit of 5-8 and offloading everywhere and being talked about as a potential sort of Blues squad member. I think that was probably his best game in a fair while, if nothing else. And um, even some of the lesser lights, Tom Opacek, probably his best game for the Eels and one of his best games in, in first grade. I thought he uh, sort of really had a point to prove against his former club. Um, and then, yeah, the usual big guns, Moses and, and Gutho, just sort of taking it away. Um, anyway, let's move on to the earlier Friday game because this one was grand entertainment i think of, of every game so far this year if you were to pick one to drill down to a five minutes highlight package and try and sell to someone um troy this one would just about be it for me yeah well david Fafita's first half performance was incredible <laughs> and then benji just comes out and tops it in the second half like incredible to watch just as a neutral spectator um plenty of points in it and great advertisement for rugby league as you said yeah, this is one of yeah. <laughs> this is one of those games where you, like you, that that cliche, right? It's a game of two halves. Like it totally was a game of two halves, right? Like like the first half was just Gold Coast, David Fafita, dominate, 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 and then the second half it was all um, wasn't completely Benji, but it was a lot of Benji um, with you know the usual superstar side characters around that. It was a, it was a brilliant game to watch. So much fun. I don't want to make you go all salty Tigers fan for the second time in the one podcast, but. Benji carving up, Corey Thompson having a monstrous game, Sam McIntyre, I think it was his first NRL game of the year. He was really impressed. He was a few um, ex-Tigers on display in this one, having a pretty good time out. Oh, there is, I don't know one Tigers fan that would wish Benji Marshall any, any ill will at all. Like I, I'm so happy that he's playing uh, great football at a great team and has a chance at actually winning another premiership because I think he deserves more than the one that he's got. He definitely deserves more finals appearances than he got in his, throughout his career. And I just think um, I, I, I love seeing South win off the back of him playing great football. I think it's, it, it makes me very happy that he's um, having further success outside of the Tigers. Um, and yeah, look, Corey Thompson, how can you say that? How can you bang a Corey Thompson? <laughs> guy? And that was a great, that was a great run and a great try as well. So as long as it's producing good, like entertaining football, you know, how can you hold a grudge? Mm. Troy, one thing I really liked in this game, that, that Corey Thompson run that Kenny was just talking about, the Titans spreading it and spreading it and spreading it from their own 10-metre line, getting into space and going 100, 105 metres to, to score a try. That's a you know that's a team that's prepared to try a few things, and that was you know it's one of the team tries of the season. Yeah, I reckon probably the try this season, to be honest. Mm. Like, incredible, yep. incredible stuff. Um, just south, I guess. Um already spoken about Benji a bit, but yeah, it has to be in the frame for, for by the year. If you know, seen, you know, Latrell's out, they can move Cody Walker and Benji plays in the halves. He's played a game starting in the halves when Cody Walker was suspended. He's come on, um, you know, when Adam Reynolds has been injured, he, he's gone from being a guy who we're all like, sure he's good, but how is South going to actually get him into the game to being arguably one of their more important players? What a luxury for the Rabbitohs to be able to just bring Benji in when you've got, Latrell out, they don't miss a beat at all. Um, they'll be fine with the trolls out if he keeps doing that. He's um, he's been phenomenal for them. First game of the weekend, twenty four points to six, the Panthers over the Knights on Thursday night, uh, out there at Penrith. Kenny, what were your um, thoughts on this one? The um, you know the, the Knights, I thought, if anything, were quite impressive, quite resilient, scrambled brilliantly, didn't help themselves um, in attack at all, but I, I thought really sort of lifted it. Uh, lifted against Penrith, but um, just couldn't couldn't find a way to crack them. 
it just shows the way like Penrith have almost become the new Melbourne in that they'll just like, they'll just grind you, grind you, grind you. And eventually, you know, one misstep or you, know, you run out of puff or whatever, then they'll just run over the top because they've been doing that for a fair few weeks now. And that this was, you know, the, the same old, the same old Panthers game plan. Pan- Newcastle were much better than I thought they would be, but you know, you can't, you just can't stop Penrith at the moment. They're so, you know, what are those superb, they're like, you know, adjectives we've been using before, happy, fast, cohesive, et cetera, et cetera. And that's exactly what they were, except for one player for uh, Dylan Edwards, which I think he'll um, probably, his mates might uh, put back on his uh, highlight reel just to make fun of him, with his, which was his mess on, um, his miss on uh, Toa for the Newcastle try. But other than that, it was a great game from Penrith. Um, and yeah, what you've come, what we will come to expect from them. Dylan Edwards coming back from injury really adds another dimension to their uh, attack as well. Troy, this Panthers team—it's you know—it's so many times in sport you see a team get on a real roll and they, they're winning all the time, and eventually it just comes crashing down. They have an off night. They're not switched on against the team that they're supposed to beat, or they sort of get a bit bored of winning. But this Panthers team—I don't—it doesn't look like they're going to get bored of winning anytime soon. Yeah, they're just so so professional. Everything's so well oiled. Everyone just does their job. Even when they do have an off night, they still have enough class to get them through. So they've just learned how to win and they just keep repeating it. And I can't see them losing anytime soon. What do you make of the Knights' performance? They've sort of they've had a couple of pretty poor games this year. I thought this was probably one of their better ones, um, if anything. Had obviously a morale boosting win a week before. Um, you know, Callum Ponga helping them to that uh, really important win over the Sharks, and then um, I thought, like I said, lifted in this one, but um, yeah, just needed a bit more cohesion in, in good ball, if anything. Yeah, they can take positive signs out of their defence for the bulk of that contest. Um, where they're at at the moment, I'm not too sure. I probably see them pushing for the bottom of the eight, maybe at best, but there's still some good foundations with their defence, I think. Um, just before we finish up, um, Kenny, do we have any last words from sponsors, anything like that? Uh, yes, uh, we do. Like I said before, today's episode of the Sunday session is brought to you by Open Arms, which is really appropriate because we're celebrating Anzac around here. I just want to give them another shout out. Uh, they are providing counselling and support services for veterans and families of veterans. So uh, if you need to speak to someone, get in touch on openarms.gov.au. That's all from us on NRL.com on the Sunday session for round seven. Thank you, Kenny, and thank you, Troy, both for being here. A fantastic round of footy uh, all up. Thank you, everyone, for listening. We'll be back this time next week.